Hello and welcome to Take One Talk, a series of conversations with some of the greatest practitioners working in the worlds of film, TV and advertising. My name is Peter Maynard and I'm a producer, making everything from TV commercials and documentaries to online and cinema shorts. If you'd like to know more about my work, then go to betsyworks.co.uk. Joining me today is the master of light, Chuck Finch. In a career spanning over 35 years, Chuck has become one of the leading gaffers, if not the leading gaffer, in the film industry today. Working on projects such as Life of Brian, Batman, Patriot Games, This Boy's Life, Shadowlands, Braveheart, Twelve Monkeys, Little Voice, Chocolat, Planet of the Apes, multiple Harry Potters, Fantastic Beasts, and the soon-to-be-released features Justice League and Darkest Hour. Hello Chuck, and welcome. Thanks very much. In fact, I say welcome, but you've actually welcomed us today because we're here at Warner Brothers Leesden where you're prepping for your uh, next projects, which we'll hopefully talk about um, a little bit later. Um, I've mentioned you've worked on some incredible films uh, over the years with pretty much every superstar name and well-respected actor uh, going. Um, can you tell us about your job? What is it you do? Well, it's pretty simple, really. We just uh, put in a nutshell, we like the sets or don't like the sets in some cases. But uh, what we do, we're sort of the cameraman's right-hand man, I suppose you could say, and we construct the lighting with him, talk about what the look he wants and that, and then really we just put it all into operation. His ideas we put into, into operation. My experience of working with different um, directors of photography or cinematographers is, is sometimes quite varied and depends on where you're filming, if you're filming here or if you're filming in the States, for example. In your experience of working with uh, cinematographers, are some of them particularly hands-on, actually operational, holding the camera, and are some more observing the scene and they'll have, you know, they'll be working with you on the lighting side and then working with an operator to actually shoot, shoot it? Both, really. I mean, I've worked with a lot of cameramen that are hands-on. Yeah. I mean, the, the cinematographer I'm working with at the moment, Philippe Rousselot, he's very hands-on, you know. He'd rather go and set a light yourself, jump up on the table, than wait for to speak to somebody to ask them to do it and then do it you know what i mean like it's a time factor of him but he he likes to keep busy a lot of the cameramen like it to do quite a lot for them you know you know they you'll you'll go onto a set and you'll rig the set really and then you'll rough it all in and you just bring him in and hopefully he won't change too much but there's a lot of cameramen that we work with or i've worked with over the years that don't really want you to do anything don't want you to turn a light on until they tell you to turn a light right. on. But they're now, they're pretty few and far between, really. But uh, I was going to say, also, I've seen from looking at your um, your credits, there are, obviously there's trust that's earned because there's a number of DPs that you work with time and time again. Um, and, for example, I've, I've worked in the short film world um, with John Matheson, and I know he's particularly hands-on. Do you find with a DP that once you've worked together on one production it all becomes a little bit easier and there's a bit more of a flow to it? I think oh, you've been doing it as long as I have, 35, 40 years, I think it becomes quite easy anyway to be quite honest. I mean you'd have to be a complete idiot to do it that long and not have some idea of what you're actually doing. Obviously if, when you work, if they ask you back they think you've done a good job and they like the way you work you know, yeah. and they know that they can trust you when they're not there, uh, or if they have to go off while you're rigging or you're pre-lighting, if they can't make the pre-light, because they've worked with you before, they trust you. But, you know, it, it, with cameramen, every film's a different look, isn't it, 
really, because yeah. if they had that same look all the time, they yeah. they run out of films to do, wouldn't yeah. they? But people like Matheson, I think John's probably one of the best I've ever worked with, really. I mean, what he does, I think, is great. And, you know, we put together, or he, we put together the, the construction of the lighting and how he wants to look, at, and we just go from there. Yeah, but the trust is there in it. Yeah. Otherwise, as I say, you wouldn't get, they you wouldn't, wouldn't be get working. asked back. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, some cameramen I only worked with once, but some cameramen I've worked with once, but like Seamus McGarvey, who I've done a couple of films with, he rings me up, but I seem to be busy most of the time, which is really difficult. Like right. this film I'm doing now, I was asked to do this year five different films. This is the one I chose to do right. because I feel an allegiance with, with Warner Brothers, really. Yeah. When you go to, on to each feature film, do you tend to be engaged by, is it the director of photography who will phone you up, and will they phone you up personally? The director of photography asks for me. Sometimes the uh, production asks for me. Uh, but it's usually the director of photography. Sometimes, it, I mean, John would ring me up. Uh, Seamus would ring me up. Or you get an email off them if they're away. You get an email off them. Sometimes the production ring you up and say, are you busy? You know, for, we've got a project coming up and that. Just to be, just for anyone listening who hasn't worked in the industry or, or is still sort of getting a handle on the industry, um, when you say sort of you set the room up or you'll set the space ready for the, for the uh, cameraman or director of photography to, um, to sort of bring it all to life, what uh, does that actually involve? If, let's just talk through uh, taking a recent example, the Zack Snyder's recent project, Justice League, which is yet to come out. Um, how long was that project? How long was the production and how long was your prep? And, uh, I think I was on it from February. I went straight on it after I finished the first uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts. Eight weeks prep, I was due, yeah, and then they, they pushed the film because of one reason or another. And I ended up having 10 weeks prep, which is, is probably too long. So we had plenty of time, do you know what I mean, to, to construct the lighting and that. And a lot of the time you talk about it, but a lot of the time you're chasing sets, especially on films now where sets are not ready, so you can't go in there and pre-light or light or even... And, and by that you mean the uh, art department haven't gone uh, and put well, the Well, the construction have not built the sets, yeah. and that, that, that's becoming a problem. And, and what they do, I think... It, I think some productions old back and old back you know what i mean to to say because the script's not ready or yeah. they they're still looking for the the right artist and that so they old back and they old back and then all of a sudden it goes they have to still have to finish on uh, on a certain date because of the release of the film they yeah. have to get that done and you know you're chasing your tail all the time at this stage now, you're in, you're in prep, you're in pre-production. You've got floor pans, you've got drawings. I guess you, at this point now, the, the uh, schedule's been broken down. Yeah. There's an idea of what's going to be shot where. Um, DP's going to have a plan as to how it's going to be shot, and therefore you can discuss how, how the mess it can be lit. Will you be working off storyboards at this stage? No, we won't. We won't, because, you know, you like the set. You light a set, we get story. I get storyboards once we and I look at them once we start shooting, so I know exactly what we're going to shoot. But basically, we light a set for the scene. <laughs> what they do within the set once we've lit it, yeah. we light what you could call it brush strokes, really general lighting, i.e., if you know they, they built a 
classroom and it was a day interior. You'd have obviously have big windows and you'd light through the windows. And we do all that. That's all there. Everything is there for him to come in, turn it off and have a basic light, if you like, basic look. And then when the artists come in and we start working to storyboards and start rehearsing and then we, we like the closer stuff, you know, light on the floor and we like the closer stuff and that's that's the way it's done really. I, I was I was gonna say on that as well, with, with your with the balance of many productions and working with multiple DPs and directors, how often are you asked or is there a request to light the space so they can just move freely as much as possible? Quite a lot. Obviously we light the space and we light as much as we can, but you know, sometimes we just say if there was a, an actress there that's uh, not as young as she used to be and that we have to do something for her, yeah. you know, flatten the light off and that, so we just bring in something on the floor. But most of the time, we can work to what we've actually lit, if yeah. you like. Yeah. And it, it's just a matter, especially with digital cameras now, we, it's just a boosting up the light that's already there. Yeah. Right? And it's completely different from film where we had to pump in a bit yeah. more light, if you like. Yeah. But with digital cameras now, you could basically, we could probably, well, nobody can see it, but we could probably shoot in here, couldn't we? Yeah, you we know, are. It sounds somebody in the light. For the benefit of the listener, we are sitting in a darkened porter cabin. Yeah, it's quite beautiful. <laughs> it's well, nice light. <laughs> um, how, how often are you getting, are you ever shooting on film nowadays? Yeah, I shot the last film. Uh, we shot Justice League on film. Originally, it all went digital, I think, because they said it helped the visual effects. And now, all of a sudden, especially on a film like that, they say it's better for the visual effects if we shoot on film. How many films are going to shoot on film? I don't know. But it's making a slight. Um... It, it's, it's going back. And I think, I can't remember the film before that, but I know I've done a couple in the last couple of years. But like this we're doing now, we're shooting digital. Yeah. You know, and, and, does, and, and for you, I guess uh, you've done so much of both now, really. It's just, it's just at the beginning being prepped, have that, having that in mind and then yeah. adjusting, isn't it? No matter what, we still have to light it. And, you know, it, it, we use bigger lights and knock them down because a bigger light gives you a bigger spread if you need that. Whereas mm. if it lead, you know, you can use smaller lights, but you don't get the spread that mm. you don't get when you're lighting. You know, sometimes it's good to use a smaller light, sometimes it's not, but obviously a bigger spread, you work by the law of the inverse square, covers a bigger area and the drop off of the light is, is, is not as great as if you use a smaller light, which is, doesn't cover such a big area and, and the drop off is quicker. Yeah. Um, just from a sort of like working practice point of view, um, when you're on a big, big production, I know through the years you've done sort of lower budget and you've done sort of shorts and commercials, which we will talk about. Um, but when you're at this stage now, um, how often do you have a director who's really, really, really savvy and he will be very light savvy as well? And therefore there'll, there'll be like an informed rolling conversation between you, the DP, the director. Does, does that happen on these sort of larger scale productions? Or Sometimes, that Zack Schneider was a really, uh, he was quite, I think he was, he might have been a cameraman in his own right at some time. I don't know how big a stuff he'd done, but he understood light. He understood light. David Yates, who we've done the, the last uh, fantastic piece with, he has his eye, he, he knows what he wants, you know, he knows the look of, of what he wants. And then you get some directors that 
don't really care, it's just leave thing. it to the, it's not their thing, they just leave it to the cameraman, really. Yeah. There are yeah. some clever directors about, and you know, I, I work with Spielberg, he's a clever director. John Borman knows all about light, and there are some directors know everybody's job. Yeah. They know, they've come up through the floor, uh, you know, like, he was quite good, I always, oh, well, Ridley knows everybody's job, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, Alan Parker's another one, you know, that they, they, they know the look they want and they, obviously they employ the cinematographer so they want to get that look. Yeah. And that's why somebody like Parker really only worked with people like Mike Saracen and Peter Bezier and that for all the films, most of the films he'd done because they give him the look and, and they've got a the style he wanted. Well. Yeah. yeah. If we can, can we just go back to the beginning and talk about what was your first where did you grow up, and uh, and what did you actually want to be when you were when you were younger, when you were sort of you know, ten and under. Ten and under. Yeah, you know, what did you you know that first thing? What was your first? Probably wanted career? to be a footballer. Did you? Was there, was there any chance really. of that? No, and I think from no, I could play, put it that way, and I played in quite a good standard of football. But I don't think in the the area that I grew up grew up on a council estate, uh, and. My dad was an electrician by trade, and I think that was the thing that uh, four boys, there was four boys in the family, and I think that was the thing, weren't it? You, you were always going to be going to an apprenticeship, and you was always going to follow your dad. My, my, you know, my elder brother done the same, went into apprenticeship, apprentice, apprentice electrician, I'd done it. My brother Tommy, who's with me here now, he done it. My younger brother went in as a reproduction furniture maker. So it, it, it was sort of set, really, and that's what I'd done. And that's, I'd, I'd done my apprenticeship and then started working, do you know what I mean, on building sites and that. I was gonna say, yeah, so your, your dad, was your dad, um, did he do industry as well? Did he do film, film TV the, industry? My dad, uh, my dad done, he had his own little company, but when it weren't busy, he would sort of, go off and do exhibition work and work in the film industry. The film industry was completely different then. It was, it was uh, for an electrician, as a freelance electrician. There were electricians in the studio, Shepperton, MGM, Elstree, uh, Pinewood. They were all closed shops, so they had, right. it, it was, they were all in-house, in the, electri yeah. Yeah, the electricians. If you was a freelance, you went and signed on a register which was at uh, the, their offices were at Finsbury Park and you worked your way up the rotor right. until you got to the top and you could be lucky enough to get a month's work in the south of France on a little film or you might get three days on a documentary down a coal mine or something like yeah. that and that was the way it was done and I got into the industry by default really when I was 21 I'd finished my time I think I was 22 and uh, I was working on a site, on a building site, and I, I, I looked, I might have seen it in the paper, but I applied for a job working in Germany, like the old Alfreda Zane pet sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had to go up uh, uh, to sort out when they wanted me to go uh, to meet the guy, when, you know, just to talk over what it was and when I was going to leave. Anyway, I was going out the door and the old man said to me, 
knew where it was going. He said, would you do me a favour? He said, would you pop into Mole Richardson, which was a lighting firm that he'd done a bit of freelance work for and pick some money up for me. Because right. it weren't, then it was a completely different industry because the money was paid, it was like cash or, yeah. or whatever. But, and you get to that stage, don't you, I suppose, when you're walking along a street, you get to a T-junction and you turn left, you know, somewhere you pick some money up for me or you turn right, no dad, you know, I've got to meet the girlfriend yeah. after. Anyway, I said, I picked the money up. I said, I'll turn left. So I said, yeah, all right, I'll pop in to this company, which was about 10 minutes from, you know, where I had to go for the meeting in Hanger, in Hanger Lane. It was just off Hanger Lane. And, and the guy said to me, asked me what I was doing, and I told him, and I was going to go away. Let's say it was the beginning of April. I was going to have the month off, as you do when you're 22. You've got a few bob in your pocket. You don't really care, do you? I was going to have the month off. He said... I could send you away if you want, he said, to uh, do a little job for me. So I said, I always remember, I looked at him, I said, I don't know nothing about your game, mate. I said, you know, I work on building sites. He said, don't worry about it. He said, I'll send you away anyway. Let me, anyway, he sent me up to Yorkshire for a few days on a, a thing called, I'll never forget, Follyfoot Farm, which was like the one before Emmerdale, I suppose. Anyway, I went up there few chaps and they was all young sort of people, 20s and 30s and they had a really good laugh. Do you know what I mean? Was it? I never had a clue, but it was more pick that up, bring it over here, go and get this, go and get that. Do you know, I never, yeah. never worked on the floor. I was just, I suppose you could say rigging, you know, running cable yeah. out. And, and then went back to Moles to pick my car up and, that, and he got hold of me again and said, he said, the chap said, you've done all right. He said, I can give you some more work. He said, I can give you a 12-day job, which would have just fitted in lovely. And I said, yeah, what is it? He said, I'm going to send you to Paris. And I was 22, so he sent me off to Paris for 12 days with... Uh, it was on a, a magician's convention, and the guy narrating it was David Niven, the old British actor. Anyway, I, I went off to there, and they... I know then it don't matter now, but they was giving me, they give me more per diems and I was getting in wages and I thought this ain't a bad job. Yeah. I'd come back, had a good time out there, you know. He was, he was really lovely, David Niven, used to chat to the, the chaps, talk about, about his films and about the one commercial he'd done. Uh, and when I come back, they offered me a job and I thought, I'll have a go at this. And that's right. how I started. And then you sort of, obviously... Your eyes are open as well. Yeah, and then... You're lucky enough that you don't. I still, you still don't think to yourself at that age. God, I'm really lucky to get into this industry. Where now, kids would give their right arm, wouldn't they, to yeah. get into the industry? Yeah. Really, but it was just for me. It was just a job, but then it was an enjoyable job, and you sort of build yourself up from there. You started, you know, a bit of television documentaries, and then you went down on films and then done a few commercials and I thought oh, I quite like the film side of yeah. it do you know what I mean and yeah then you take more and more interest not only because you're working with great actors at that time you know you're sort of it's an it was an interesting thing and then I realized how much I like light really and you yeah. know and what light does and and that's really how it started for me and I just built myself up lucky enough to work with some really good gaffers and I learned, I learned a lot off and then just started doing it myself, come up through really the commercial world and then started 
doing features. Did you, so a couple of things off that. Did you, um, do you remember what your first feature film was as a, as a, as a spark, as, a, as an electrician? I was probably sent somewhere as extra labour into the studio then because that's what they used to do the studios. They, they were in-house electricians. They would, uh, if they needed extra labour because the studio and the stages were full up, they'd ring up uh, a lighting company, ring up Mole Richardson and they, they'd get sent down. And I think probably one of the first ones I'd done was a, a film, a period film called Luther that Freddie Young lit. I always remember that yeah. I was down at Shepard. Legend, yeah. He was a legend, yeah. yeah. You know you're saying he works on a lot of commercials and, and I, I guess it's a, I mean, I found, I found this, it's a great, it's a great way of building a CV quickly because you're doing a number of productions, whereas if you do a feature, obviously you're, you're in for yeah. months. Whereas on commercials, you might be working with, a, you could be working with a number of DPs, you're getting that contact, you're getting your name around, yeah. and then I guess there's a, are there quicker opportunities to become a gaffer by doing that? I, yeah, I had done it, you know, I started doing commercials with gaffers, established gaffers, and I was always the guy that stood by on the floor. And then you get to meet lots of cameramen, you know, it's at that time when I really started doing it, people like, people, cameramen coming through, people like Saracen, and uh, though they'd done, you know, they'd all worked on features. Roger Pratt, uh, Bijou, people like that, Stuart Harris, lots of commercial cameramen that I worked with. Mustin Rollins, they, they, we used to do a lot of work at a commercial company called Brooks Fulford, which was one of the top commercials about that time, you know, them, RSA, people like that. And I then become second choice to a lot of cameramen, whereas, which was probably better because, you know, if Roger Pratt, say, was working and he wanted Roy Rodhouse, who, who taught me hell of a lot, he wanted Roy Rodhouse, and Stuart Harris had a commercial and he wanted Roy Rodhouse, he couldn't do it. So they say, oh, we'll have Chuck Finch, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's really how I built myself up. But CV, I never ever put a commercial down that I've done on the CV. I've never had a CV. No. Well, you, know, you haven't needed one, I guess. It's, it's sort no, of it's it's word, word of mouth. Well, and if they want to have a look, I'm sure like yourself, if they want to have a look and see what I've done, you look on IMDB, I don't even put my name on that. Do you know what I mean? No. It's, you know, and now they say, if productions ring me up and say, have you got a CV? I say, yeah, I've got a CV. Can you send it to us? No. Okay. I, You'll you find know, me. Yeah. So, and that's not being big-headed, it's just, I've never had a need, and if, if, they, if they need to ask what I've done, yeah. they obviously ain't, don't they don't know what I've, you know what yeah. I mean? They don't know who I am, and they don't know what I've done. So, just picking out a name, Roger Pratt, I mean, that's quite amazing, that relationship, uh, that working relationship that you guys had, I mean, you were, I was looking, you've worked together on, just of the films I've shortlisted of yours, you know, I've got like 12 features here. Yeah, he's, and there again, I got it through Roy Rodhouse. I'd done, uh, Roy was a gaffer in Brazil, which was a great film because Roger was a mate of Gilliam's or is a mate of Gilliam's, you know. Again, through commercials, I was always the second choice. And then all of a sudden I become, for one reason or another, become the go-to. Roger's first choice. Yeah. And the first film major Featured that I actually gaffered for him was Batman, which was Amazing. A, a big 
big film and the production, Tim Burton wanted Roger to do it. It was Tim's second film after it, uh, I think, Beetlejuice, yeah. I think it was his first film. And he wanted Roger to do it. So Roger had a bit of a pull. I was working for Lee's at the time, who was a yeah. big lighting company. They told, the production told Lee's that I never had enough experience to do it anyway. Roger stuck out for me, Brilliant. really. And I'd done it and they put in a guy named an old, an older gaffer, Morris Gillette, who was the rigging gaffer. He's gone now, God bless him. But, but he, he was my rigging gaffer, right? right? And it's funny, even Morris, who was a really, really experienced man, said, he told him that, you know, that I'd done a really good job on it. And I just, and I did do a good job on it, you know, because he was young and keen. And I've worked with Roger a lot, so I, I understood his lighting and I knew what we was trying to get. And it, it, what you've got to do in this industry is do it with a good art. If you're not doing it with a good art, you might as well yeah. give up. Or if you get on a job that's really getting you down, do you know what I mean? You've got to leave it. But, you know, I've done that with a good art. And it just, once you've got out of CV, oh, what's he done? It don't yeah. matter what else you've done. He's done a million commercials. He's done one feature. And what was that? Oh, that was Batman. Batman. Oh, he's all right. Do you know what I mean? I mean, done. That, that is quite amazing. Looking at what you'd done before was quite interesting because but Life of Brian, Time Bandits, which I know you were, um, you weren't gaffer on. I was, I was, I was, yeah, I was the, like the best boy. Best boy, yeah. yeah. My first real film was The Missionary, right, with... Uh, uh, Richard Longcrane, who I've worked Richard with. Richard Longcrane, yeah. Yeah. yeah, with with Peter Hannon. Yeah. And that was, and I always remember, and that was hard, that was a hard film, and they were harder than the films because the equipment was bigger and the equipment was heavier. It was none of that, uh, you know, working off an iPad or anything like that. It was a completely different thing, weren't it? And I always remember my first, I remember the first day of shooting, yeah, we was at the Liberal Club, just off of Whitehall there. And I, I was, obviously I'd done lots of commercials and I walked along and I thought to myself, don't worry, son, I thought, Every day is a commercial. It's a great way of thinking of it. Every day, every set you lie, every set you go on. Do you know, some of the sets here we have, and some of the sets on features we do, we have plenty of time to lie, yeah. prep, time to prep, plenty of time to light it. Do you know I mean? You go down and do it. You walk on the stage, do a record, you see the set being built, and you, I suppose, construct the, the, the lighting within the set as it goes up, whereas, in them days, you know what I mean? You, most of the films were on location and there, and you'd go and have a look at it there. You'd go and have a look, and you and the best boy would say, I need this and that. You had to make sure you had the right equipment. A lot like working in the studio where, oh God, look, I forgot a 10K or I forgot a sky panel. Go into the old lighting department yeah. and pick it up. Whereas then you had to be bang on, yeah. right? And I thought to myself, every day is a commercial and that's what it was you know we'd done the white all we shot a, a liberal club for three days and then we go off somewhere else and that and you know and we start again there and I'm like and that's all it is really yeah. isn't it the um the yeah and that's it and it's being prepared and thinking on your feet isn't that's it? the easy thing isn't it? yeah that's yeah that's as long as you're prepped yeah and as long as you're confident in what you're doing yeah and you've got the right team around you yeah yeah, team. So talking about teams, just just uh, just to sort of fill in the gaps with people if they're listening with the terms like best boy, um, rigging gaffer. Let's just talk about um, how the structure and how the team works. So you've got the director of photography, 
they are going to pick their team, they're going to pick their grips, um, they're going to pick their focus puller, focus puller will pick his clapper, low loops from the camera side. And then on your side, can you just talk about best boy and what the best boy would do uh, next to you and then and also the sparks in general and the, if you could just talk a bit about the team. It, on a film like this, uh, the best boy, uh, let's just go back to the gaffers, American terminology in it, do you know what I mean? Like, really it's like, chief lighting technician or chief electrician and his assistant, best boy. Best boy's job has changed so much over the years because basically what they are now are coordinators. They don't work on the floor. They don't come on the floor at all. Whereas when I was best boy, you know, you had to try and do, there weren't so much paperwork. It was timesheets you'd done, bit of ordering, and, it, it, you know, you could incorporate that in your day as well as working on the floor. Now, the best boy's job is all the paperwork, which includes all the health and safety, writing risk assessments, timesheets, doing the ordering, because we, now we don't build towers, because, again, that's a health and safety thing, you know, you can't, if you're building towers, it's easier to use scissor lifts, genie booms, so we have to order that when they come in, when they go back. So really, the best boy don't get out of the office, but he is, in actual fact, your coordinator, Yeah. right? The most important thing, uh, person, really, is the rigging gaffer, which is, he's, to be quite honest, he's the guy that puts it all together. So we'd go on, I'd go on to the set with a cameraman, we'd talk about how he wants it to look, they don't usually tell you what lights to use. They just tell you, this is what I want. I want a strong light coming through that window. And I want to do this. I want to, you know, to be out of dim now. I want to do a light change here. I want to incorporate color into this. So you really pick the lights. But there again, if you've been working with somebody like Philippe and that, I've, you know, I've known for 30 odd years or 30 years, you know, basically what lights to choose and what he wants. Yeah. Uh, and then you talk about you probably as a set go up you talk about it again and then you go on with your rigging gaffer and tell him exactly what you want right. this is what I want this is you know and we should do that we should rig it so we can do this and he actually puts it all together yeah yeah he does him and his coordinator they do all the ordering they get all the equipment on the stage he'd have his team to put it all together. He oversees all the stages. Yeah. That's the way it works. So myself, I just pick a, a shooting crew that work with me, really. I have a dimmer board operator, which is, he's a really important person for me. He does a lot of work. <laughs> you know, we don't turn lights on and off now. You don't have electrician up on the rail, yeah. but we don't turn lights on. He does it all, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, Steve, turn that on, do that, dim this, do that. And yeah. he, he, work, he does that sort of thing. Everything's numbered up so we know, you know, exactly what we're doing. So you've, uh, got, you've got him on the board and, and, and <clears throat> on an average day, how many more, how many other sparks? Six, seven electricians we have. Right. Because stuff has to be moved, you know, can we move that box? So space lights, go and pull the space light up, drop the space light in, move that box, we've got to move this, move that. That's all in shot, clear it all. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's it. So you want, when he, he when he wants something brought onto the floor, it's got to be there. It's got to be standing by. It's got to come on the floor yeah, within yeah. seconds. Yeah. And they've got to know how to set it up, and that's it, really. Yeah, yeah. And we go to work like that. 
And your rigging gaffer really is your eyes and ears looking ahead basically to the of next course, day and the yeah. next week. He's someone even when you don't want to, and especially my rigging gaffer's my brother, who's, you know, I was going to say I've known all my life. Of course I've known <laughs> all my life. But he sort of worked with me, do you know what I mean, on, on countless films. And he, he's the one that chases me up, you know what I mean, at the end of the day, when you don't really want to do anything. You don't want to go and do records. You don't want to go to the end of the hell stage you know, right down the other end of the runway and go on that and sit there and talk about what you need. You know, we need to do this. He's the one that says, you need to do this, you. Yeah. You need to do Me? No, he needs to do that. The cameraman, yeah. no, he ain't going to do it. You need to do that. Yeah. He's the one that chases me up all the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, quite, and, yeah. it's a very important um, dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. As and I say, it, yeah, and is it quite odd when you, because you work together so much, it, Obviously, sometimes I'm guessing you can't always be working together on every film, or, or do you? Will you sometimes have a different um, rigging gaffer for, for practical reasons or whatever? No, no. After I'd done Justice League, I'd done a film called uh, The Darkest Hour, and Tommy was on that, but he was he was sort of on the periphery. I, I had another. Uh, his actually his supervisor really done the. the, the the rigging gaffer's job because Tommy's daughter was going to have a first baby and he wanted to be there, yeah. obviously. Do you know what I mean? And we was up in uh, Yorkshire and up in Manchester uh, and we, you know, I think we was in Liverpool, but we was working up north. So he didn't really want to be up there. And big rigs were up there. So Tony sort of organised it and we had the studio stuff down here. So Tom rigged the studio, uh, Ealing, only, a, you know, quite a big set. It took up two stages. It was like, uh, Churchill's War Rooms, wow. do you know what I mean? Built to wonderful set, Sarah Greenwood, production designer, marvellous really. And they built the sets to look like that, but Tommy done that down there. And then after that, uh, I'd done a, a, about a month on a film called That Come Over Peter Rabbit. And I said to Tom, Tom was, Sophie had her baby, so he was okay, Tommy. So while I, I was off, or between the two films, I went off to Mauritius and he got a call to go and do rig, which he don't usually do, yeah. on a, a film with a mate of his. He rang him up and they was doing, uh, I think it was Jurassic Park or one of the films he was doing. And it suited him down to the ground because he was on the rigging crew. He had no responsibility yeah. at all. So, it's, you know what I mean? He, it's it quite interesting just, as well, isn't it? For yeah, he just that, turn yeah. up. Yeah. Instead, of, he's got the whole, at the moment now, he's got the whole of this stage to worry about, the whole of the studio, seven stages, the whole of the back lot to worry about, you know, yeah. redoing that. We've got to light that for day. We're not so much day, but we have to light it for night, which we've done before, but now they're all it from New York. It's now become Paris. So, but the back lot here, for example, on this film, <clears throat> I'm guessing we'll have all the exterior, what feels like work will be, yeah. the exterior, the exterior um, scenes will be shot here. Shot here, yeah, but we do go out as well, we got, I think we're going to St Paul's, we're going to Smithfield, then we're, you know, at the moment we're going to Lake Okabe where we went on the, the Potters. But he, as I say, he, he does it when he's here doing his job, he has all the worries of this, the equipment, the worries getting this, getting that, yeah. getting it back, sending it back. When he was doing that rigging, he'd get in at half past seven in the morning, yeah. go home half four, five o'clock at night. Someone else's worry. Someone else's yeah, worry. Yeah. And somebody was paying him for it, do you yeah. know what I mean? It was like a regular yeah. day job. Yeah. Not a worry in the world. So yeah. he quite enjoyed that. But that's one of the only times that we haven't, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's gone a long way back. But yeah, one of the only times we don't work together, we yeah. haven't worked together. Because I seem to, and 
after I'd done uh, that Peter Rabbit, I had a month off, yeah, just which is a really long time for me because I usually go straight in, yeah. straight into another one, you know, and try and grab a couple of weeks holiday between, like. But I had a month off, and he he carried on on that, and it, I think he had a, a, the last week off or so before he started on this. And, yeah, you know, we both started. We had eight weeks prep, which is good, really, because it's. There's a lot you can actually do before you actually start rigging. Yeah. Do you know, you can discuss the, the look. Get the groundwork done. Get the groundwork yeah. done, yeah. It's good. Basically. I know we talked about the fact that you did uh, small, smaller stuff. Uh, you, know, you did commercials and you did short form and you did some sort of TV work and, and docs in the early days. What would you say was your big break? What's the one, would you say, is Batman your big break? Or, I know, I also saw that you did, you know, as I was saying, you did loads of stuff with the Pythons and the various incarnations from, from that. Um, what, what for you is your sort of like, the thing that you see as your sort of, you know? My big break really is being lucky enough to sort of fall into this industry. Yeah. That's the biggest break yeah. in it really. But for, for a feature, uh, I mean, I've done some, before now in the missionary, I've done it now and I've done uh, after that, I think I've done the meaning of life. Yeah, you got then, you got Brazil, hope and glory. Yeah. 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 But Batman was obviously my biggest break because yeah. until you're lucky, especially in my grade, until you're lucky enough to do a, a big film, yeah, you know, you're always he hasn't done anything yeah. big. It's always that he hasn't done anything big. Where really, little do they know, but the smaller films are actually harder to do because you get no, you haven't got the, you get no prep time, you've got no money. Well, you we, talk, know, we talk about a rigging gaffer. You wouldn't, you, like, you wouldn't, wouldn't have, have a rigging gaffer. gaffer. No. It's just, you're the gaffer. No, I mean, the, the jobs where I'd get up, you know, we'd get up at eight o'clock call. We've got to be there at six o'clock or half past six. So you're leaving home at half past five. You work a 12 hour day or it, the early days, it, we, we're still on 40 hours a week. So you didn't mind doing, yeah. do you know what I mean? You work a long day and then you pull all the stuff out afterwards. You put the rig in, you shoot all day, you put the rig out. Yeah. You used to drive the trucks and the lorries as well. You drive the trucks and lorries which to the next location, yeah, which yeah. now, because of the health and safety, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd never do. Yeah. You would never do. But that was that was the film industry then. And then it went to 12-hour days, which was a killer. Six yeah. days a week being in the studio, yeah. 72 hours a week. That was a killer. Yeah. Do you know, and not... And the rewards for it weren't that great, really, because, you, you know, they, they went from that and you'd done the deal and a 12-hour deal. And so you're leaving to, to get her 8 o'clock. If I had done a 12-hour day or six days a week, I'd have to leave if I was... I live in Sussex now, but yeah. if I was living in Banstead or when I was living in Wimbledon, you'd have to give yourself the traffic was easier. I'd still be up at quarter to six, half five, quarter to six to get here for eight o'clock. You work, finish at eight o'clock, the time yeah. you put away, it's half past eight. You're home at half past nine at, at night. But now, what with the health and safety thing and everything else, yeah. do you know what I mean? They, they don't yeah. do that. Now we do the 10 hour straight through, whereas... Is that 10 plus one, uh, including lunch? No, 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 that's 10 hours. Ah, right. You don't get lunch. Oh, okay. You get lunch, you get lunch on the run. These films you're doing here, do they tend to be a five-day week? Five-day week. And how, how often does it get pushed to a six-day week? Is it quite exceptional if that happens? Probably on what we're doing now, not mm. so much. On the Justice League, when they say you're going to do the Justice League, they, they obviously float 
the five days because if we're shooting yeah, on films, yeah. if we're working in London, we have to work the weekend or yeah. we have to work from Sunday to Thursday. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And we'd have Friday and Saturday off. Yeah. Justice League, they said, Zach, he said he only works five days a week. He likes to that, his family's here, he likes to work five days a week. Well, that lasted for about six weeks. And then, and no overtime. <laughs> it's a nice idea. A nice idea, well, if it works. But then it went to six day weeks and like we'd done an average of two yeah. hours overtime every night. But wow. it, it's got so bad here. I've actually, I, I sort of bought myself a static caravan on the river, which is about half an hour from here. So that, yeah. that's where I stay at night, beautiful. Yeah. Like a bit of fishing, don't I? So in June, yeah. I'll have the old rod and just the river, I suppose it'd probably take me two minutes to walk to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's great. But you have to build that in. So instead of getting up at quarter past five, I now get up at like quarter past six. So that, and that hour's really important when you work long days, isn't it? Yeah. Really. Just from a sort of like career progression point of view, obviously you are doing great, great work. And do you ever, and were you ever tempted to pursue becoming a DOP? Which some, which some you do sometimes get, don't you? I mean, of course you do, yeah. you know, and you do, yeah, especially in America. But he asked me, uh, I suppose I had the chance really, he asked me, Roger, Roger Pratt, he, you know, because he, he see the way I worked in that. And he said, do you want to go lighting? This was at the end, he said, because if you don't go now, you never will. He said, if you go lighting, I'll help you as much as I can. And then, because I was a family, this is a few years ago now, but because I was a family man, you know, I had my daughter, she was one or two, whatever she was, and I still had a mortgage at the time, 30 odd years ago, and I said, you weigh it up, didn't you? I work five days a week, I thought to myself, you work five days a week, you could work eight days a week if you wanted. Do you know what I mean, with mm. people ringing you up? Do I want that, or do I want to go and sit by the phone at home like I used to, you know, when you're freelance, when you first yeah, start freelancing. Do I want to do that and maybe get one or two days a month, earn less money and build my career up all again? And I said, went back to him and said, no, I don't really want to do that. Do you know what I mean? That's amazing that he, um, yeah, he, but he, I'm quite he, happy. he saw you in that. Yeah, yeah, but I'm quite happy. And it's been great, hasn't it? You know, and our Irish camera, my mate Des Whelan said to me, his old man, his dad used to say to him, if you find a job that you love doing, you'll never have to work a day in your life. And that's it, isn't it? And that's what, that's what this industry, if you find something you love doing within this industry and you get as far as you can in it, yeah, and you still feel as though you can, something drives you on to do even more and the camaraderie and everything like that. It's a great industry to be in. Yeah. The places I've been and the people I've met and it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just, just talking about a couple of specific bits. Um, what has been your most memorable project to have worked on over the years for various different reasons? What's the various one? different reasons, I suppose. Most enjoyable, and uh, you know that I felt it w would be the Batman. I suppose the first Batman with Jack. Uh, I suppose if you can ask me about what f film did I have the most fun on? Did I, you know I me mean, to enjoy? That's before I started gaffering. I've done a film called. The Boys from Brazil, right? right. I don't know if yeah, you know, Lance Olivia, Gregory yeah. Peck, and yeah, yeah. done a film that we was in Portugal and Austria and Charlotte Shepard and Lawrence Olivia. Hilarious, but that was, do you know what I mean? That was probably the last film I worked on where you could, you know, you went to work 
in the morning had a really, you know, just when you shook off the night before where you'd been out with the chaps after about nine o'clock, do you know what I mean? Which nobody does now, but no. then you feel, do you know what I mean? But it was great. It was, it was a really enjoyable film. Location-wise, I suppose, uh, I, I, I would say Troy, where we went to Malta and then we went to the Baja, right? which was great, you know, not only for the work we've done and to, yeah. to be lucky enough to go to those places. Or I've done a film called uh, 10,000 BC, a Roland Emmerich film, where uh, we went to... I was, it's funny, isn't it? I was asked to do... I worked on a film called Lost in Space, where I got on really well with the producers. And they rung me up to do... Would you be interested in coming out and doing Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> and I'd just been away for nine or two years in America, in Rome, uh, and I said to them, how long is it for? They said, could be 18 months. And I said, no. I said, my wife would divorce me, do you know, because mm. I'd just been away. And when it came out, I always regretted not doing it. And then I was asked to do... Uh, 10,000 BC with a, a really nice man, Uli Steiger, I can't remember, Roland was the director. Yeah. And we was going to shoot it all in South Africa, the Drakensberg and around Cape Town and that. And he went out to do recce's in New Zealand because they was going to do a bit where they walk across a glacier, fell in love with it out there and that. So we all went to New Zealand and I thought, as a touch, because you re sort of regret not going to New Zealand, yeah. didn't you, and that, because it's so Amazing far away. Well. You'd never think that you're going to get a film there. Anyway, I went there and I was out there 11 weeks. But I suppose that, and we went to Namibia, and we went, you know, filmed down in, on the Skeleton Coast there. Do you know what I mean? But they, they were great, they were great places and I've been lucky enough to go to Wonderful places, really. Did, did, on those jobs, would you take your wagons with you? Like, how much does get how much gets shipped, and how much are you trying to source locally from? Well, me, from uh, there's always uh, there was a lighting company, Panalux, but they had a place in uh, they had a place in South Africa in Cape Town, and, and they had a place in. Because yeah. when I went to New Zealand, we'd done the records. Roland wanted to do a lot of night work there. The village, I was going to build the village here, and because I looked around New Zealand, I said, no. I yeah. said my wife was with me at the time on the yeah. recce because. It's a long story and I won't go into it, but she ended up in New Zealand on the recce with me, right? Because we weren't supposed to go to New Zealand, we were right. supposed to go to South Africa, and they changed it the day before I'd come out. Anyway, cut a long story short, they said to us, I said, we're going to have to bring it from South Africa. Oh, no, don't do that, they said. We can't have a look at uh, Sydney, there's a big line. I thought, I said, Carol's with me. Oh, oh, you can go with it. We fly her as well, oh, thanks very much. Amazing. Anyway, we went to Sydney. I've been there since. Yeah, you've like, yeah, well, be. never been to Australia, never been to yeah. New Zealand, you know, it's yeah. so far away. So we had a week in uh, we had a week in Sydney. And they were quite a good they got quite a good Yeah, there, put us in the blue hotel and that and we brought, oh. do you know what I mean? It was great, done yeah. the old, do you know what I mean? Done all the beaches and whatever. And a massive a complete contrast, it's weird, isn't it? Like we you know And now I'm here, I can't get out of here. I know. If I get a week, if I get a week in Liverpool, I'm doing all right. Oh, do you know right. what I mean? Now, it's, it's weird, though. Isn't but it? that's no, what's no. happened to the film industry. You don't do as many locations now because what they do. Do you know when we done Pam, we was going to go to Korea, but they shoot out, send out a plate unit, don't they? And they, do you know, and shoot. And it's all done as comps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, not my favourite green screen, but 
No. It's just another thing that we have to do in it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas we used to shoot it for real, for now real. it's. Well, what what of out of the actors? Because I mean, you we're just saying you've, like some of the actors that you've, um, you know, you've worked with. Are just is, is literally everyone. Is everyone from the big American names? You know, like everyone from. Leonardo DiCaprio's Big Break, first, This Boy's yeah, Life, this boy's first life, film, yeah. amazing, which he always talks about so warmly, and yeah. Yeah, you were there for that, gaffer on that film. Yeah, never stopped taking the piss out of me, really, the way I spoke, the accent, he tried, the old accent, do you know what I mean, imitating the accent. Shut oh. up, you cheeky little son, he used to say. I bet you get that, and also, you're, you're John, Johnny Depp on a number of films. John, yeah, he's yeah. top man, I like John, yeah, yeah. I had a, you know, he used to get on quite well with John, he used to talk about big music, man, and talk about music and wine. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, then, and he's coming up, he's due, he'll be here he's with you yeah, on this. he's on this, yeah. Brad Pitt is a really nice man. I've been to a few bashes with him as well. If you have someone like Johnny Depp, who's been on a couple of films there, do you, is there familiarity? Is it a bit like when you're working with your regular DP or director, like really Scott? Only if you see him again. Do you know what I mean? Only if you, where did, oh, I see Brad. At, I went to uh, my mate's wedding and he was there. And I hadn't seen him for a couple of years. And, you know, he just comes over, gives it a hug and that. Chat, all right, how's it? And then you just pick up, pick up, have yeah. a chat. Do you know what I mean? He was there for the night, had a few drinks. Um, is there a do you feel like there's a film or, or a project that you haven't done yet, or is there is there something that a, 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 a professional bucket list that exists for you? No, 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 no. Where do I go now? I don't, do you know what I mean? What do I do yeah. now? What was your toughest assignment or your toughest project? And that could be, you know, um, it, that it was a really ambitious film that didn't maybe have the budget but was punching above its weight type thing. You know, if you if you look back and you think about a the Dark Knight of the Soul, you think that was a if you, that was a project that really really stretched you for whatever reason. Do, do, are there many or have you or not really? No, it's a job. The end of the you know what I mean the end of the day it's just a job, really. Do you know, and at the end of the day, no matter what goes on during the day, you start at eight o'clock, and at the end of the day, you go home with your family, don't you? And all what happens, I suppose, when you say what stretch you, the, the hardest thing about this industry that, that, that was that period, I've done a lot of those between films. I was lucky enough to do some young Indiana Jones things, which were great, really. You know, if, if you wanted to go and see the world, go and do those. Yeah. Uh, but they was. They was horrendous hours, horrendous hours. And that was a TV group. series, wasn't it? That was the American TV series, yeah. yeah. But they, they was just horrendous, the hours that we'd done. And they, again, that was where you went away, great cameraman, David Tatsall, really nice man. But you'd go away, you'd go to, let's say you go to Turkey, and uh, you go to Turkey and with a, a lorry load of gear, and a generator, and you'd put it in, and then you'd move, do you know what I mean? An hour, two hours, or Prague, you'd move, like drive two hours at the end of the day to leave the stuff there, and then you'd go home, have about, I should think, get back to the hotel, nine or 10 o'clock, night, get up at five o'clock the next morning, yeah. and that went, that was relentless. Six days a week went yeah. on and on and on. You've done your fair share of sort of TV series, haven't you? Yeah, I've um, done a few. Yeah, and, and is there, was there a big difference between the sort of scale of things and the sort of, uh, you know, uh, and what you had to play with them from a budget point of view and all that sort of stuff? Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean... Always. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, I, don't know, I think what the budget, well, I know what the budget was on Justice League, but mm. I'm not going to tell you. No, no, no. You know what I mean? You could have done yeah. uh, those Indiana, young Indiana Jones, you could have probably funded that for about 10 years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It was the money they spent on there. And it was a great, it was another learning curve for me because uh, not only but industrial art and magic, they sort of backed it all. So you knew exactly what they're doing, you know, and that's when all this green screen people, when it really come in and people started making such a big thing of it. When it come in, we had green screen cameramen. Where's yeah. a green screen cameraman? Where's that come from? Do you know what I mean? Is it even? Yeah, it's even. Well, that's all right then. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Is it one stop? You know, is it a stop over or a stop under? It's a green stop under. That's fine. Do you know what I mean? That's fine. We'll be all right. But you've yeah. got a bloke trying to tell you, oh, a little bit more there, a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I bet that, ru that ruse didn't last yeah, long. Yeah, no, it didn't last long, yeah. did it? Yeah. But you know, when I've done that, I've done things. We never had green screens on that. The stuff we'd done on them young Indies and there, I'd take them out off the sky. If it was yeah. a straight number, take it off of that. Do you know, it's a blue sky. I would take it off of that, take them out off of that. Yeah. So for the next generation coming through, what would be, um, there's two questions. Would you have done anything differently? Tricky question. Mm. Of course you'd have done things differently. Yeah. Do you know I mean? You'd have made life, down the line, you'd have probably made yeah. life easier for yourself on some of the films you've done. But it, if I, would I do change anything? No. 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 I don't think I'd change. I'd, I'd probably have wanted to, maybe when the long periods, but I'm a great, I've always got my my wife always come out. You know, some people go away; they don't want their wives there. They know some of the chaps don't want their wives there. I always took my wife out there, and if she couldn't come, I mean, my daughter come out when I was in the states. She come out on her own. She was nine or ten, fly out escorted. You know, British Airways. I'll pick her up at the airport and that. So they've always been there. Maybe when I'd done that two years, maybe I wouldn't have done one of the films, so it wasn't so long away, really. I mean, yeah. I'd come back, you know, but I was only back for a week before I'd go off again. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't do that, wouldn't do that again. But no, not really, I wouldn't And you're mixing, the, <clears throat> the next, you know, the next Chuck wannabe or hopeful or someone who's looking to this as a career in the future, that mix of commercials, short form, TV. Well, they music videos now, aren't it? It's music music videos. Well, we we, we never done music videos. No, I never done. I worked on a couple, but I never really done too many. But you come into this industry, yeah. You've got to know what you want to do, and whatever you do, you've got to do with a good art. And the hard thing is, is actually establishing yourself in the industry, getting in with, uh, you know, somebody that that's sort of up there, really. I mean. They're doing. They do a training scheme. Warner Brothers. I usually, I I usually ask for, a, especially on the Potters, and we we shoot on sets, and then we go back to the set three months later. So we always had a young fellow, you know what I mean, who wanted to get into the industry to do the drawings. So he so does the drawings. You get a trainee, so, basically. So you get a trainee, and he he learns if he wants to be a cameraman or he wants to get into lighting. Not too many of them want to uncable about and lights. Yeah. I mean, they all want, oh, you know, I bet, what do you want to be? I want to, I want to be a gaffer or I yeah. want to be a camera. Oh, you can be a gaffer. Yeah, start at the bottom, work your way up yeah. like we all did, right? But they don't want to do that. They don't want to, that time, they don't want to, And the, the greatest thing and it is, is it, for knowledge is experience, really. Just, just that point, say, 
say you've got someone sitting at school now and they listen to this and they they want to get in and they they for whatever reason they love they shoot their own film or they've got their own video and they're always interested in sort of shapes and creating shapes and light and all that sort of stuff but they just don't know how to take it to the next step one thing you've got to have the right attitude mm-hmm. yeah and you've got to be prepared to take a lot of rough and then it comes a smooth after that yeah people ring me up and I help as much as I can yeah, yeah. a young fellow uh, where I'm on the old, you know where my caravan is say fellow next to me his, his uh, nephew's been really into art anyway I, anyway I'll sell him down here art department and he's got a job somewhere on the site he don't care what it is but he's in now he's in I was about to say just, so the reason we know each other Chuck or we, we've, we've come to we've come together is by our mutual friend uh, Hannah and Hannah is a really really good case in point I'll just relay this because it's a nice anecdote so Hannah was travelling the world and she happened to be in New Zealand and as we've heard you were in New Zealand and she was in a pub or in a bar and she was just talking to a couple of people and there was a couple of guys in there and they turned out to be Sparks electricians and Hannah said oh, oh that's funny oh, the only person I know from the film industry is my mate from school's dad this guy called Chuck <laughs> and <laughs> their faces sort of broke they're like you never guess who our boss is and uh, yeah and they put you in touch obviously put Hannah in touch with you and, and she always says how amazing you were because you took her on set you said look come and have a look around spend a few weeks up here if you're at a loose end which got a job as an electrician I mean the case was that yeah. yeah and she just said and she's now a really successful casting director. Yeah. So it's it's. Um, I'm not suggesting they should all. Everyone should come and speak to you, Chuck. What I'm saying is, I think it's almost like it's. It, I always say to people, just get in anyhow. Get a and job then as go a from there. And get a job as a runner. Yeah. Become a runner. You see everything. Yeah. Spend six months a year being a really really good runner, keeping an eye out. Start making friends with. Yeah. Start making friends with the Jenny op, or start making friends with whoever. Whoever it is, you're just genuinely, genuinely, and generally helping. And at some point, you'll get that break. Yeah, it, it is. It is luck. It's it's another. My Carol, my wife's uh, friend. Yeah, her boy. He wanted. To, in fact, he was unemployed. Right, only a young kid mm. at school. And she and she said to Carol, "Can you get him a job?" You know, like, anyway, we got. I brought him down. I had a word with first assistant, a really successful first assistant, Jamie Christopher. Do you know? And I brought him down. And he employed him as a runner, got on really well with him. He's like, he's now his second or third on the floor. Yeah. So he's done really well for himself. And then really? go up, he probably is a second now. I ain't worked with Joe. He used to do the potters. Yeah. That was on one of the potters, right? There's another guy that done our drawing that my Chloe put in after she finished at Eon. She said, this, she said, there was this really nice kid in the office, in our office, said, he's out of work now. She said, Dad, could you help him? She said, he really is a clever boy. Yeah. Anyway, I put him down. He'd done the drawings for us and they got on really well with him. And uh, another uh, another girlfriend of ours wanted somebody to work as an assistant in the production. And we're talking about major films. Yeah, now. yeah. Anyway, and she employed him. Now he's, uh, I think he's a production coordinator now. Brilliant. I see him. Brilliant. And that's, so there's, there's two or three people that, yeah. you know what I mean, that I've helped along the way. And it's always good to think you've helped them along the way. Yeah. Really? No, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's but you good. can only help so many, can't you? And also... I've put some people in, they've been a complete nightmare. And that, and yeah. I've got rid of them and get rid of them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you give them, the you give them a chance. And they feel 
they feel as though they've uh, they feel as though they're entitled to something and they feel they can behave like the, the, the chaps that have been doing it for 20 yeah, years yeah. they can't you're at the bottom mate yeah if you pick one you sweep the dog shit up do you know what I mean yeah, you sweep yeah. the dog shit up yeah, yeah. while we have a cup of tea that's how it starts it takes you about one or two days to know this kid's a good kid I've yeah. got a kid you know what I mean I took out the stores there he done his he, he done his electrical course so he's an electrician I took him out of the stores there Never had a clue. He was our trainee on Justice League, right? Yeah. And at the end of it, he was really good. You didn't have to ask him. And I really struggled for Labour because it was really busy when we'd done the darkest sale and I put him in on that. And he's... Brilliant. And I might even take him on here because I've got one space on the film, so I may take him on here. That's brilliant. Yeah. And then, before you know it... He's away. They're away. They're yeah. away. That You've only got to do... And when the industry is really busy, like yeah. it is now, do you know what I mean? They've got they can pick and choose. Yeah, yeah. and they'll be moving around from. Yeah, you know, they go from production to production. And and I guess what happens is once you become you're flying as an electrician, you probably the reality is you can probably only have maybe four or five gaffers because if you spread yourself too thin, it's then, not. It, yeah. it, what it is it's completely changed now. Whereas all those, you know, we we went with they, they probably still do, but I don't know. And we we come up, I come up with. Do you know what I mean? Cameramen, as I say, like Roger Pratt and yeah. Bijou and Saracen, that, that lit commercials. Yeah. You know, and they lit commercials and you come up with them, so you become, they went on to films and you become their gaffer on films. So let's just briefly say, what's next? What's this next project you're doing? Next project <clears throat> is a Fantastic Beast 2. Mainly the same, you know, me and all the chaps, and it's mainly the same crew. I think the sound, I think the sound man's changed because he's doing, uh, he's off. He would have done it, Simon A's, but he would have done it. But he's he's good friends with mate, with Guy Ritchie, do you know what I mean? I'd, and I would have done that if I'd have done this, but uh, he's, he's waiting to do Guy's film. Uh, but the majority, you know, same special effects department, same construction department, same electrical department. The same camera department, the operators change because Des is Philip's man, really. But he's doing Tim Burton's film, same costume, Colin yeah. Edward, which is they're great, same makeup. Brilliant. So it's the same, yeah. Do you know what I mean? The same team, and that was a same producers, same, uh, do you know what I mean? Production managers, same first, same assistant directors, and that, that was a great, even the same accountants. And what's the can you talk about the other pro You know, you were saying about this is sort of just. Very final point. Reshoots. Yeah, exactly. They're rebuilding sets, and we was going to do X amount, but now all of a sudden they've had a reneg, and we're going to do X Y Z amount. So now it's going to be two weeks of reshoots. Now it could be five, up to five yeah. weeks of reshoots, which is fine. But the people that are doing the reshoots and my crew, yeah, because they don't start with the two weeks fitted in. If you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, because they're not with massive now, clashes. Yeah. Now. It's going on a bit, so I don't know what's going to happen about that. But like, I'm trying to order the equipment. I've been there, look at locations, yeah. I look at drawings. This is what we need. This is the labour we need. I'm trying to organise rigging It's really, gaffers. really tricky. But anyway, that's why you love it, eh? Yeah, it all gets done, doesn't it? Yeah, all... Chuck, I've really enjoyed that. All right, thank you very much. That's all right. Great pleasure. It's great to hear your great to hear your uh, story. Yeah, well, I hope it weren't too boring. No, that's all. That's part one then, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's part one. <laughs> Lovely.